Hey everyone, I'm Justin Neeland. Welcome back to my podcast. This is not about your body. Um, I want to talk about something that seems sort of obvious today, but I, I realize I've never actually like flushed out anywhere in my content, uh, which is that body neutrality, you know, I talk about it a lot. Obviously, I, I put it up against body positivity to tr try to give you context. I talk about it as like the framework for the work that I do with clients to help them come to sort of understand that how they look is not an important uh, piece of who they are. It means nothing about their worth. It means nothing about uh, what they deserve or, or their value in the world, any of these things. So, you know, you've probably heard me at some point talk about body neutrality in those ways, but I've never talked about how it's also just a way of looking at stuff without added interpretation. And that element of it, I think, is um, pretty important. So I thought I would cover it here today um, because one of the things that I really love about body neutrality is that the process of getting there, uh, at least the process the way that I personally uh, <laughs> help clients get there and also like, you know, with my upcoming book, that's the process that I outline. Um, it's all about just finding ways to remove the added meaning, interpretation, stories, narrative, um, moral evaluation, judgment, significance, you know, and power, basically all these things that we place upon our bodies. The whole point of body neutrality is like returning to a, a natural state that we were all born with, which is seeing our body just for what it is, sort of an objective, um, kind of unimportant thing. Not, not that our bodies are unimportant, you know, but like how we look is unimportant. Uh, and we were all born with this. So I don't think of body neutrality as anything added or extra. Um, it does take a ton of work to get there for a lot of people because they've had that interrupted so freaking badly thanks to just so many things, including, you know, the systems of oppression that are upheld in beauty and body ideals like sexism, racism, uh, homophobia and transphobia, uh, ableism, ageism, the anti-fat bias, you know, all of these things totally interrupt our ability to see our body for what it is, as well as, you know, traumas and personal and individual experiences and culture, cultural norms of what, you know, sort of is seen as good and what is seen as normal, all these things interrupt our ability to see our body for what it is through that kind of objective, neutral lens. So theoretically, if none of those things existed, you never would have come to hate your body because you just would not have come to assign your body nearly as much significance or power as it has to have for you to ever hate it. I mean, we don't hate things that aren't important. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we might not even particularly like it, but hatred is this really powerful emotion full of energy. And we don't get to that place without having added uh, an inappropriate amount of significance or power or meaning or judgment or whatever to the thing we hate. And so when it comes to your body, you were not born hating your body. You were not born feeling unsatisfied or, you know, even ugly. Like that just was not stuff that you were born with. That was stuff that you learned that interrupted your original lens, which was that of body neutrality. In fact, I would even say like body curiosity. You know, you're talking about a baby here. A baby is like, oh, cool. I have a body. Neato. Look what it can do. I have toes. So it's just such a such an objective state. Like, look, I have toes. That's cool. 
um, not I have toes and that means something about me. It means that I'm bad. And because I'm bad, I have to hide my toes so that nobody sees these toes. You know, like that does not happen in a baby's mind. We learn that stuff as we grow based on all these influences that make it so that we cannot see our bodies through that neutral lens anymore because it's had too much stuff piled on top. But none of that stuff is objectively true. Or rather, I should say, you know, the stuff that we learn reflects cultural values and therefore our cultural experience, but does not, um, it is only relative. You know, there is no absolute when it comes to bodies. There is no absolute ugliness. There is no absolute beauty. Um, and so when we think about all the stuff that interrupts our ability to see our bodies clearly, we're really just looking at um, scaling back preferences and judgments and uh, all of those those layers that get added on top, we're scaling them back into a right relationship with the rest of the world, which is to say, you know, your body is cool. You have toes and that's neat. You know, your body is like the way that you connect with the world. So it's super important in that way, right? It's how you give hugs. It's how you uh, write letters. It's how you cook dinner and eat dinner and all of the good things in life, they happen through your body. So it's not that your body is unimportant in that way. It's that we want to restore the sort of objective lens through which we can see the importance of things like how we look um, in right relationship to everything else. Like how important is how I look compared to who I am as a person? If we were looking at that through a neutral and objective lens, the answer is obviously just not nearly as important as who, is I, who I am as a person, right? But what happens is all that stuff that interrupts the body neutrality makes it so it feels like how I look is actually more important than who I am as a person, and that's where things get really messy and that's why it takes a lot of work. But ultimately, when we talk about arriving at a neutral space, we're really just talking about seeing your body for what it is, no more and no less. Not telling stories about it, not coming to moral evaluations or judgments about it, not interpreting what it means, not, um, you know, sort of weaving a narrative, not not giving it more significance or power than it ought to have, all of that stuff. We just look at our body and see it as it is. Now, in order to do that, you have to have done, uh, usually given the culture we live in, a lot of work to sort of untangle all of the layers that you personally had <laughs> that have been blocking this state. But ultimately, when I talk about body neutrality, that's the state. You know, I might look at myself in the mirror and be like, I don't love how I look today. Um, you know, maybe I don't love like that my skin is breaking out or my hair is frizzy or I'm bloated or God knows, um, I have a rash down my arm, you know, like these are things that I'm not going to be like, Ooh, I love that. Um, but my reaction to them are appropriate to the right relationship of everything else in my life. So that is to say they do not have any extra significance or importance beyond that little moment of, Oh, it'd be better. I would prefer not to have the rash or I would prefer my hair cooperate. I'm not then saying because I have this rash up in bad and obviously I need to like change the way I'm eating and I need to focus on blah, blah, blah. Like that's not what I'm doing because I'm not spinning out a story or a narrative. I'm not saying, um, you know, I'm bloated because I was bad and I ate this thing because I'm not adding any moral evaluation. Um, and I'm not giving it any power or significance like because I look a way that I don't like right now, I shouldn't go out because everyone's going to judge me, hate me or reject me or whatever. So all of those things, that's the stuff that we're getting rid of to be able to say, I look how I look. I can just see it plainly. I neither like nor dislike it or, you know, maybe I dislike it or like it, but it's not, um, it's not out of proportion 
to the appropriateness of that moment, you know? So that's what we're looking for. And this is why I think uh, part of the reason I want to talk about it is I think of the practice of body neutrality as closer to being uh, like a mindfulness practice than I do to like a self-love practice. And you can, I mean, totally self-love all you want. Like if self-love is available to you or you've found a definition of loving your body that really suits you, I'm all for that. I'm in no way against that. Um, in fact, I think it can be really compatible with body neutrality because like a baby finding their toes, it is appropriate to love your body at times anyway. Uh, it is appropriate to feel those kinds of feelings of anywhere from curiosity and interest to, you know, gratitude love and joy, right? You can feel any of those things, but I am not interested in having a relationship with my body where those things are the only way in which I've succeeded, which is why I don't necessarily believe most people anyway should define like success in the world of body image through how many positive feelings they're feeling towards their body because that's just not available for a lot of people. And also it just makes you, I think, kind of have to like carve yourself down from this whole three-dimensional human experience of the wide range of emotions we feel towards anything we love uh, and kind of stuff it into a little box of like happiness and sunshine. Um, that said, I will also say I do love my body, but I love my body the way that I love my partner and, you know, like my siblings and I don't know, my cat, like sometimes I can get mad and be like, this sucks. I don't like this right now. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't love them. It just means that I'm able to see that in that moment, really feeling irritated or disappointed or upset or whatever with someone is still welcome inside of a loving relationship. So that's how I've defined it. That's how I believe it can be compatible but that's not usually what people mean when they're talking about loving their bodies. They're usually talking about like feeling those positive feelings, like accessing a sense of warmth, joy, gratitude, peace, you know, whatever it is. So when I think about uh, a body neutrality practice, I am really thinking about how do I not have all of those extra stories and extra power and meaning and interpretation layered on top? So any moment that um, you, for example, feel irritated about something about your body or the way that you look, I would get curious, like, what are you doing in that moment? What are you interpreting? Because there's probably some kind of hierarchy involved, like um, bloated bellies are less good than flat bellies. That's like a hierarchy of bellies. And if you believe that, then when you see a bloated belly, you're immediately... Um, placing yourself lower on this little hierarchy in your head and feeling bad about that. You're also probably assigning some kind of significance to what that means. Like, oh, I'm lower on this hierarchy, therefore I'm less attractive. People won't be into me. This is embarrassing. They're going to think I gained weight. Whatever it is, you're like making up a whole story. And mindfulness is the, the experience or the practice of being in the moment with whatever's true. I mean, often it's practiced as like a being in the moment in your own mind, you know, um, when we're talking about like mindfulness meditation and other mindfulness practices, it's usually about learning to be with yourself, the truth of your own mind, the truth of the moment, the reality, but not adding interpretation to it, right? So when you sit in meditation and you watch your little brain do its little, you know, dance around and your brain's like, oh, I'm hungry, I should... You know, I should go shopping soon. I wonder what my partner's up to. I, you know, whatever it is, you're like doing all this stuff. Every time you catch yourself doing that when you're trying to like have a clear mind, you might interpret that as failure 
which would mean you are now telling a whole story about the moment to yourself instead of being in the moment. And that's where, in a mindfulness practice, you bring your attention back to the moment, which means you have to let go of that story. That is a mindfulness practice. And when we are talking about body image, I'm basically inviting people to do the same thing. I will say the obstacles facing body neutrality tend to be pretty different than the obstacles facing someone in meditation, but it's the same, I would say the same sort of broad concept. Um, so with, with the approach to body neutrality, if it is of help to you, I, I encourage you to start thinking about what it is that you're doing that is not just being in the moment with how you look or with your body. If you step on the scale, you see a number and then you spiral out. Now you're really upset about the number and you're thinking, oh my God, I should go on a diet. What did you just do? I invite you to get curious and really break that down because it is, first of all, there was a hierarchy, right? Like there was a good and a bad, a moral judgment of what that number meant. There was an inappropriate amount of power placed on that number, uh, an amount of power that is represented only in the story you tell yourself from what you've learned in a, you know, anti-fat society, um, that that number is bad. So you've allowed judgment, morality, uh, interpretation, storytelling, all of this has now spun you out into a place where you're upset because that number was too high or whatever. If you do that, you have immediately left the moment where you just looked at the scale and frankly, I would even say by stepping on the scale, you have left the moment where you just have a body um, and you've sort of set yourself up for the spiral because the neutral thing is the mindful thing, which is just, let's say you get out of bed, you notice that you have a body. Maybe you tune in for a moment with the experience of having a body. Maybe you look in the mirror and see that you have a body and you do not tell yourself a story about it. And then you move on with your day. Honestly, this sounds like science fiction for a lot of my clients when they come to me anyways. They're like, that's bonkers. I could never do that. I can't imagine how to do that. And the truth is that most people are trying to do that by forcing themselves to stop thinking, but that's never going to work. All of this stuff has a good reason for existing. Like all of our thought patterns and feelings and coping um, behaviors around body image, like all of this stuff serves a purpose. So that's why the, the work I do with clients it is never about logic. It is never about willpower. It is absolutely never going to be try to stop thinking so many thoughts. Like that's not going to work. What it is about is solving the underlying problem that has led you to a place where these things have power and meaning and significance that can, can alter and skew your experience so badly. So for example, you step on the scale, you go through this whole spiral. What has gotten in the way of you being neutral there? There's a whole bunch of things, you know? One of them is uh, an awareness of how fat people are treated in our society and a desire not to be treated that way. One is a personal experience, you know, like a family member who is always commenting on your weight and telling you how important it is to be thin or complimenting you if you are thin or, you know, criticizing you if you're fat, any of these things. Um, maybe a lifetime of those experiences, in fact, because again, this is the culture we live in. And then there's the underlying needs that you have or the desires that you have that are associated with this weight. So it's like, if I'm fat, I believe I'll find a partner, I'll be happy, I'll be successful, everybody will like me, I'll never be in pain again. Whatever it is at the end, the answer to that question is going to be part of your um, visceral work to do to get to a place where you don't have to tell yourself so many stories. But like that is the end goal is to get to a place where you no longer have to tell yourself all these stories because you've thoroughly um, dug them up 
and explored them and dismantled them and found other ways of solving the problem or meeting the need or whatever it is so that you can actually just look in the mirror or step on the scale or whatever it is and go, hmm, that is not something I need to tell a story about. You know, you can just say, I have a body. This is how much I weigh. This is the moment. And you, and you can stay in that moment in a really present way instead of spiraling off into body image land where you are no longer being present whatsoever with the experience of being you or the reality of the moment. So I think that is uh, just something that a lot of people don't understand when I talk about this stuff and I think needs to be clarified because the work that I do with clients, we don't start with this, right? Like we don't, we're not doing a mindfulness practice. It's just that the the place we want to get to is one of a sort of compassionate curiosity and mindfulness around body image where you might have a thought and then notice yourself having that thought and then bring yourself back to the present where you don't need to interpret or have an opinion or judge whatever's going on. And a lot of times this looks, you know, exactly how you'd imagine you look in the mirror you have that old conditioning play out and it's like oh you're fat or oh you're ugly or oh you need to change this or gosh you you know you need to put makeup on or whatever the bad voice you know the the interpretation of what you're seeing starts going and then because you've at that point hopefully um healed the stuff that needed healing underneath you can notice that you're having that judgment Remember why you used to have that judgment because it used to make you um, feel protected, for example, or it used to make you feel hopeful that certain needs were going to be met, or maybe it used to just get those needs met. So it used to serve a purpose, but it no longer does because you've done the work to heal that stuff more directly. And so instead, you can bring your attention in that moment back to the fact that you just look how you look right now. You don't have to have an opinion on it. And in fact, the only reason we really bother try to have an opinion on it for the most part is because we have placed too much importance on how we look because of all of these cultural and individual factors. So all of the uh, work that goes into sort of uprooting and dismantling that deep stuff, it's in service of getting to a place where you can literally just have a quiet mind when it comes to to your body and how you look. You can just um, notice that you have a body, even notice that something has changed, notice that you um, you know, are bloated or gained weight or you look puffy or you have dark circles under your eyes today. It doesn't have to be something you like for you just to notice it and stay in that moment. Mm, I'm noticing that. Or even I'm noticing that and I don't particularly like it. And then let it go in the next moment because the next moment brings something else. As soon as you go back to your life, that first moment doesn't have any power anymore. That is right relationship. You know, that is the right appropriate amount of energy to put towards something like that. It's the amount of energy required for a moment of being present with it. Not the amount of energy required to then like um, unpack it, obsess over it, create plans about it, uh, take pictures to compare or go down like uh, an internet rabbit hole about it. Like, that all is not in any way an appropriate use of energy. Uh, it, is, it is giving way too much power to how you look instead of just having that, that brief moment and then releasing it because you've moved on. So if you can understand mindfulness, and I know this is a really trendy topic and a lot of people are very much into either uh, the sort of concept of it con more conceptually or kind of vaguely, or they actually like maybe you practice mindfulness as um, a meditation or some other way, 
then maybe you can understand a little bit better about where body neutrality is supposed to take you. Um, We're not supposed to, you know, but it, it is the path it will invite you down. It is the path of having a quieter mind. That is why when people are like obsessed with food, exercise, weight, body, appearance, whatever it is, like the thing they often crave the most is just relief from all of that anxiety and thinking and processing and endlessness of it. And that's what we're getting to. We have to do the deep digging to make it possible. But ultimately the goal is to be like, huh, I wonder what I should eat. And then checking in, well, what do I want? Here's what I want. Is that available? Yes, it is or no, it isn't. You go make it, you eat it, you move on. It's not that you never think about these things again. It's that in the way that you think about them, there is an appropriate amount of energy um, given to them. And the power that they have in your life and in your mind are appropriate to the context because you are not adding extra story, meaning, interpretation, value, etc., to that moment. You are just being in that moment. So not only does this feel a lot more um, peaceful in general and calm in general than uh, what we do around really about anything, you know, like stressing out and creating stories about stuff like, oh my God, I'm going to be late. They hate me. They're going to fire me. This is going to be terrible. Like that's all a story too. Um, Obviously, a, a big sort of benefit of mindfulness is you can just go, oh, I'm running late. I will... I will just get there, you know, instead of doing all that projecting of stories and anxiety and really, really bogging ourselves down in sort of fake reality in our own minds that way, mindfulness invites us to say, huh, I'm running late. I don't care for that. I think I'd like to work a little harder next time to make sure this doesn't happen and so that I'm prepared to leave on time. That's all appropriate. And then you just go to work or you go wherever you're going, you know, it's appropriate to have some Uh, attention on these things like the goal of mindfulness is not to have an empty head for the rest of your life just like the goal of body neutrality is not to never again notice or think about your body ever it's to have an appropriate relationship to the moment and not uh, adding or extending that the the power that it has over um, you know longer stretches of time when you're ruminating or you're going back and forth or you're uh, stressing or distressing or, you know, whatever it is. So that, my friends, is the power and the joy of body neutrality. Uh, I hope that's helpful and connective, um, particularly to people who kind of struggle to understand, like, where is this all going? Like, is body neutrality just supposed to be, I don't care about my body anymore and I never think about it? No. It's that it falls back into an appropriate relationship with everything else in terms of power and importance and significance in your life. Um, that's it. For the record, I am uh, opening up, or rather I have some spots opening up for private coaching starting um, in September. So if you would like to apply for private coaching with me, you can do that now. You can either go to my website, um, jessineeland.com and go to the coaching tab, or you can find me on Instagram at jessineeland and just shoot me a DM and we can talk about it there. Um, But I, yeah, I would love to help you do this like if this is the kind of thing that you are looking for this is the kind of thing I do as a body neutrality coach I help people do all that deep digging so that they can get to the place of actually just having a quiet mind and being in the moment more and more often you know so if that's something you're interested in please feel free to reach out and uh, we will talk about that I love coaching Um, I love meeting new people I'm actually really excited now that my book is done uh, to like just sink back into that for a while so 
yeah, if that's uh, you, awesome. If not, thank you for listening. All good. Um, you can always, if you love my free content, um, leave me a buymeacoffee.com coffee uh, or you can join my Patreon. Both links will be in my show notes. So always appreciated when you support me. It's so sweet and kind and I love it. Um, and that's it. Thank you for listening and I will catch you next week.